0: Hey there, freaks. Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this week's sponsor, our favorite sponsor here at Tales from the Crypt. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. You already know what's going on with the Cash App. we talked about it many times on this podcast before. It's my favorite app right now to use to buy Bitcoin, uh, to send friends money, uh, to get discounts off at retailers around my neighborhood. Uh, So... Check out the Cash App if you haven't already. For you freaks that don't know, the Cash App comes with the Boost Program. And the Boost Program, what that does is you download, or excuse me, you get a cash card sent to you in the mail. And the cash card in particular is very customizable. You can put your own signature, you can put a little Bitcoin sign, whatever you want uh, to customize your cash card. It gets sent to you. Once you have the cash card, you can start taking advantage of the Boost Program. So you get a Whole Foods 10 pre- 10% off, coffee shops a dollar off. They just added Taco Bell. 10% off Chick-fil-A is involved, uh, and they're only adding more retailers every every month, it seems, to me at least. Um, so definitely check out the Cash App. They have this feature with ACH specifically where you can pull money from your bank account to the Cash App pretty seamlessly and send it back to your bank account seamlessly as well. Uh, so the direct ACH deposit with Cash App is a huge feature, especially if you're looking to buy Bitcoin uh, on the quick. You can send money from your bank account to the Cash App, and quickly buy Bitcoin and then send that Bitcoin from the Cash App to a personal wallet. Potentially Wasabi wallet, you know. Uh, make sure that you're you're cleaning your Bitcoin after you're sending them from an exchange. Um, so definitely check out the Cash App. Go to the App Store or Google Marketplace today. Uh, download the Cash App now. Uh, we're not using the other apps anymore. Don't even remember their names. Uh, it feels like my life has been completely changed since the Cash App entered it. Um for you freaks, uh, they're here for the interview uh, with the Huddle Huddle guys, Max Kidun and Roman Snitko. Had an incredible conversation with them. Uh, please bear with the uh, audio. We recorded this via YouTube Live, so I was using my uh, AirPods to record this. So that's the the quality of the audio that we're getting for this episode. But the content of the episode is uh, is very high quality. Highly recommend you guys stick through it, even though the audio may not be up to par uh, to what it usually is. Uh, hope you freaks enjoy.
1: Tales from the Crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bank, here on a Sunday afternoon uh, after Thanksgiving, uh, back in Brooklyn after, after heading home with the family for a little bit. Uh, but very excited to be back in Brooklyn uh, recording, first YouTube live recording we've done in a while. Uh, and I'm only do this on rare occasions. I usually like to get people live in the studio because I think the interaction uh, is a bit pure. But I'm happy to have uh, the two guests that I do today from the company Hoda Hoda, uh in Lafayette. Uh, I want to introduce you freaks to Max Kadun and uh, <clears throat> Roman Sniper. Uh, uh, yes, Siko. I'm sorry, I just know your first names. Um, so, guys, welcome
2: to the podcast. Thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks for having us. Hey. It's uh, great to be here.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Just Max and Roman. I know that our our yeah. our names are quite heavy to pronounce. So no <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. That's one. That's one thing. Uh, no, no worries about it.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm
1: terrible at words. So uh, hopefully uh, that will be one of the. Only one of the few mistakes uh, that we have here. So um, yeah, guys, how this podcast usually goes. I'm really interested to figure out how you guys found Bitcoin, what drew you to it, and uh, sort of what your tale is. So I guess, uh, Roman, if you want to go first, how'd you get into Bitcoin?
3: Sure. Um, I first learned about Bitcoin in, um, I think it was 2010 or 2011, and I didn't do anything about it back then. I just went to the Hacker News front page, and like half of the front page was about Bitcoin. And one of the articles was about how Gavin Andreessen went to the CIA to talk about Bitcoin. And I thought, oh, well, that must be interesting. And then I completely forgot about that for a couple of years. And then in 2012, a friend of mine reminded me uh, that there's such a thing as Bitcoin. And by that time, I already uh, read a couple of books on economics, on Austrian economics specifically. So um, Bitcoin was very interesting uh, in that. Uh, respect for me. So I looked into it, and I didn't have any money back then. So I couldn't really uh, buy a lot of Bitcoins. And so I started like, you know, um, suggesting other people take a look at it, but nobody listened. And eventually, I had to buy it myself and learn about it more and started developing projects. So this is the short version of how I got into Bitcoin. And I've been working on Bitcoin related projects since then.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh,
3: What were you doing before Bitcoin? I was just software engineering and uh, you know uh, web development. I think Max can take uh, this uh, story from uh, From there because this is how we actually met because we started working in uh, the same company together.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Yeah, uh, I got into Bitcoin in 2013. I, I have like I think like I have twisted my story, so I I'm like ten years I was working as a private banker, so I'm from the dark side, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, I was working for ten years as a private banker, and uh, in 2013, one of my clients introduced me to Bitcoin. He was like, we were sitting in the meeting. He was like saying, "There will be no need for you bankers, like in in ten years, because because you see, there's a Bitcoin," and I was looking at this guy was thinking like what what's the heck he, he's like crazy one why why we should use that why we should use bitcoin some kind of weird money and then in 2015 i think but i started researching this, this topic because i was quite fascinated always about the it and, and the finance and the fintech basically so in 2015 i left the bank and i met roman Actually, the same client that introduced me to Bitcoin, he invited me to join his project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roma was working there as CTO, and that's how we met. And in 2016, we started working on photo. So basically, that's since 2013, I, I, I met Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And are you guys, so ideologically, how
1: did you come to Bitcoin? Are you believers in Austrian economics and uh, more... uh Uh, privacy freaks or
2: yeah to be honest i was like when you're working in uh, for 10 years in banks you see how the system works from the inside and at some point i really understood that there's no need for a middleman Uh, why there should be a person who is like telling you what to do with your money uh why all the transferring process wealth transferring process or just payment process should be so difficult why you need to pay why there's the working hours why 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 and there's a lot of why so so uh, literally at, at some point i remember that day i was i was sitting in my office and i uh, was thinking why i am here <laughs> because you know um I, i'm not the smartest guy but and when I went to Bitcoin, when I'm uh, entering the room, people who are software engineers or economists or people who are doing something within the community, usually I'm one of the dumbest person out there because <laughs> these people are smart, literally smart. I want to say and, that. And yeah. yeah. I, I, I heard I, your I, speech at the
1: Honey Badger Conference. I think you know a yeah. bit of what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, when you are, and when you are, Speaking with the people who are, who are more into conventional finance, like bankers, investment bankers, etc., usually you are one of the smartest guys out there, because of of, of well, at least I felt like that. So and um, I don't know about Roma, but yeah, I I just understood that there's no need of banking industry like in 10 years. And and to be honest, in our region, for for example, in my country. There's a lot of things happening with the banking industry at the moment that um, those people who are worked with, there's no need of them at the moment. So they're left the banks and they're they're trying to, to find a niche where they can apply their knowledge, or where they can work. So things are so happening kind of, quite fast. Here.
1: What kind of changes are happening? Are people losing confidence in the banks or are people uh, becoming more open in newer technologies?
2: People are becoming more uh, open to technology. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like my little brother, who is like 12 years younger than me, he never been to the bank. Uh, He doesn't know what, he he don't know how to go to the bank. You need to fill papers, you need to handle your personal data to some kind of guy who's sitting like on the other side of the desk. He don't know this process, but uh, he literally has a Bitcoin wallet. So, because it's easy, he can go to App Store or to Play Store, download the, the Bitcoin app and receive Bitcoin like from me, like, in, in, I don't know, in, in 10 minutes,
1: that's it. And he's, so he's only 12 years old? He's already experimenting with wallets. No,
2: so. no, he's 20 years old. I'm oh, 20. Old. I think so 12. <laughs> no, so 12 years different. I would love him to uh, be 12 years old, to be honest, <laughs> I, I want to be back in my 24, like, but. Yeah, I'm 32, so
1: doesn't change. No, so I guess so. You guys met uh, while working at this company together. So, did Hodo Hodel start out as a side project for you? Were you guys building this uh, while you're working at the company, or did you guys have? Uh, like, a, hey, we need to go build this now. We got to leave.
3: No, we actually left the company. Um, I don't want to go into details. We worked for Mycelium, and at a certain point, uh, we decided that it's no longer possible for us to stay with the company. Uh, and we just went on and uh, started working in Huddle Huddle um, the same day we left the company. Mm. Um, so there was no interference, but at the same time, we were so excited about huddle, huddle and just going forward. And it wasn't an easy process. Like it took us, you know, essentially two years before we were able to launch the production version. Um, what were you guys, what were you guys doing in that two years? What were you finding out? Just build, building the surf. I mean, it was just me and Max, we didn't have any money to hire the team. Yeah. It was just me and Max building and testing and, you know, doing all sorts of jobs that now our employees do like. We just built it from the ground up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the Bitcoin, we were very lucky because the Bitcoin price, you know, went up um, like a year and a half later. Um, and uh, we were able to hire our first employee and then the second one. And then we grew the team. Uh, so, in in that, in that respect, we're very lucky. But um, we also built it from the ground up. So, that's, that's the short version of the mm-hmm. story.
1: Yeah. What was your sort of like original view going into building HODL HODL? Did you have like a first product that you guys wanted to bang out and then build on top of that? I guess. And then on top of that, like, is there a company mission statement? Um, like, what, you're, what no, your No, we,
3: we, we just saw local bitcoins. Um, we, we both used local bitcoins and we saw how actually complicated it is. And we also predicted correctly now that at some point they are going to uh, institute KYC ML policies. And the other problem, significant problem, was that local bitcoins actually held uh, bitcoins for the customers, just like every other centralized exchange. And at that point, we figured out a way, because I was familiar with the multisig technology and how to implement it uh, correctly in the browser. Um, I realized that we can build a better exchange that that is non-custodial, right? And, and Max fully supported uh, this idea. Uh, so it actually wasn't mine. It was just you know me talking to Max back and forth, exchanging ideas, and we came up with this concept. So we thought, okay, we'll try that, and uh, we'll go from there. And uh, you know, a lot of things change in the process. Uh, it's you know, I don't like this word, but it is agile. Essentially, um, this mm-hmm. is how um, a startup should be. So, um, and uh, here we are today. Yeah, no, it's
1: um, it's cool. So I, I guess let's. Let's touch on and dive into the the problems with local bitcoins that you saw. So on top of like they're they have custody and now, they're implementing KYC AMLs or anything with like the user experience that you guys are also building on on as well. Um, so I was going through your tutorial videos earlier this morning, which are incredible, by the way. Uh, Will is very very good yeah. at making these tutorial videos. If you yeah. freaks and not, we'll if you, <laughs> if you yeah, guys are I'm not, ready. Ready. yeah, already the wheel. He's yeah, a great guy. You freaks got to go to the Huddle Huddle uh, tutorial page and go through all those videos, especially if like you want to learn how to make like a multi sig uh, wallet with a with a business partner or something. Uh, that was that was a ten minute video, and I
3: oh yeah, that, that's that's p- part of the um, part of a mission. Sort of, we realized early on that education is very important. So if <laughs> people would use our exchange, they would need to understand what exactly they were using, right? And some of the videos that are on our website, they're, so some of the tutorials and, and screencasts, they're actually not related to Huddle at all. They just explain how to use a wallet, how to use a multi sig wallet, specifically Electrum. So, and, and there are some others as well. So even if you own user exchange, go ahead and check the screencasts because they, they, you're going to learn something new. Yeah, no. And it's actually very happy
1: you brought that up. It's like, I mean, that's. The mission that I like to see myself on too is I saw that pain point of education, people sort of misunderstanding this technology and how it relates. And while not be educating people from a technical perspective like you guys are, I like to think that uh, trying to uh, get people attuned to the philosophy and the under underlying ethos of why Bitcoin exists. Uh, so you can you can educate from different angles and. Yeah, so I I think what you guys are doing with the tutorial videos is awesome. But
3: like and the the other that- thing I wanted to mention that there's also a testnet version, which is also for educational purposes. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are, and you know, me and Max, we we, we used local bitcoins. And when I used local bitcoins for the first time, I almost lost my money there because I was stupid. I released. What happened? Uh, well, I released uh, bitcoins from Mescro before receiving. Um, the fiat gotcha. currency, right? And I didn't even I, I didn't even know what I was doing, right? And this is why we thought it was important to have a uh, uh, to have a really uh, working test net where people can just sign up, try it out for themselves, for like be try being both sides of the equation, a seller and a buyer, and see how it works, and then they can uh, start and trade for real. So that's part no, of the education.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, I spent like an hour and a half, two hours this morning going through the tutorials, and I feel like I would be comfortable using uh, HODL HODL Exchange. Unfortunately, I, I'm not able to since I'm in Brooklyn right now, but uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to well, that should, later. We'll should, get we, the, we should uh, talk about, about it now that. Or
3: later. Okay.
1: We'll talk right. about it later. We'll get into it later. I want to talk about specifically uh, the the user experience that you guys have on your exchange because it is a process, uh, the, and, but I think you guys are, or creating a great UX around around the product. So um, from from a buyer's perspective, what you can do, um, I guess that, that would be a good place to start, how you would sort of uh, uh, insight and uh, begin engaging with, with this sort of uh, OTC um, exchange or PTP exchange, excuse me.
3: Yeah,
2: well, yes. actually, uh, yeah. Um, you mentioned already like couple of things like security and, uh, and no 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 KYC IML and uh, Roma already mentioned about testnet which is again I, I believe it's quite important because I, I was trying to research are there any other exchanges having a testnet so basically you can go to the testnet version of exchange you can you can try and trade with bitcoins uh, with testnet bitcoins and then you can re- reproduce the same, same steps uh, on the Magnet version. And there's actually, I, I don't think there's much of Testnet uh, versions of other exchanges. Educational videos, yes, of course. And uh, yeah, UI and UE, um, it, it's quite important because we, we do understand that peer-to-peer exchanges are usual, like, uh, way more difficult to understand than centralized exchanges. And uh, because it's, it's peer-to-peer, it's complicated, a bit more complicated, although it's way more secure and and, and more confidential. But we don't understand the hassle with the with, uh, user experience and, and user interface. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the differences. And, and people, you know, people are always saying, well, yeah, everyone is saying that their user experience, user interface is better than, than the competitors. But actually, you can go and compare and you will understand that uh, we're putting a lot of effort to, to, to providing proper experience and providing a proper understandable um, interface that people can actually easily buy their first like fraction of that with or uh, with current, with current- Current prices, uh, even uh, maybe one uh, bitcoin. Bit, soon. Maybe <laughs> one bitcoin. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe in like maybe in two weeks, like two bitcoins. Even so, whatever. But but yeah, I think it's uh, for for a platform that is offering something to to buy or to sell. It's quite important uh, to provide a proper proper tools and understanding how you can do that easily.
1: Yeah. So I think let's jump into like the
2: marketplace. So like
1: to. To engage in this P2P exchange, basically you have to find somebody who's willing to trade at the same time that you are uh, at this like, uh, exchange, the same amount of Bitcoin uh, at the same time, and then use the same type of money transfer uh, to to facilitate the exchange. So they have the well, option there, of doing
2: it. There's actually two options. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a pub- public software list, which is more well, yeah. more. And we have also the private ones. Yeah. So the public public offer list is uh, the same, uh, I think, technique that you use in any other peer-to-peer exchange. So you go, you you sign up, which is like one minute, and you go, you find the proper buyer or the seller. Or if you don't don't find, we usually say that create an offer by yourself. It's, it's easy. Like you, you can do an offer if you want to buy, then create a buy offer. If you want to sell, you can. You can create a sell offer especially as we're like twice and a half cheaper than our competitors now the price up until the end of exchange fee rate now up until the end of this year is 0.4 percent if you compare to our competitors usual rate for peer-to-peer exchanges is one percent per trade and uh, so you create an offer or you take an offer and then you trade directly from your wallet or to your wallet uh um, because each time for each trade we create a unique escrow account so the buyer so the seller deposits coins into this escrow account the buyer sees that coins are deposited he sends the the wire transfer or sends the cash or do the payment via any other payment system that he used and up upon up, up the of fiat um the the, the seller just uh, signs the release transaction and then you go the, the coins are in your wallet, directly in your wallet. So you don't need to deposit anything within Huddle Huddle. We don't hold any money. Also, the, the, the interesting part is that you can use how you want to trade with, we have a two types of multi-stick contracts. Two out of two, which is two signatures, one to HODL, Huddle and one for the seller, and release transaction is signed by the seller and by HODL, HODL. And there's also a new type of multi-stick that we introduce multi 6 system that we introduced like a month ago, which is two out of three. So it's uh, similar to this. Yeah, each nah. each 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 part of the trade has their own key. So in case of a dispute, we can move money either to seller or either to the buyer. And uh, the another option is uh, private offer, which we we have created this specifically for large OTC traders because they requested the, the extra layer on, of confidentiality. And uh, so you can create an offer, but you can uh, you can like, uh, tick that it's a private offer. So the offer will be accessible only via direct link. It won't be, uh, you won't see it in the public offer list. So you can, if you have a counterparty already, buyer or the seller, you can just send the link to him and you will trade privately uh, within the photo using hodl as a network.
1: Mm-hmm. And with the private thing, it could be something like, hey, I'm going to send you this offer just so you can transact over Venmo or cash or anything.
2: And p- people basically mm-hmm. won't know what's going on. Yeah, pe- people are using this. Uh, we actually already saw some significant volume on OTC trades because uh, the OTC, a lot of OTC traders, they also understand the, the security risk when they hold Coins within any centralized entity, like large OTC, that they don't want to deposit uh, like 500 coins into uh, any other like wallet that, that they, they cannot control or that is con- controlled centralized in a centralized manner because it's basically the similar that you will hold like 500 coins on any other centralized exchange. Eventually, there's a risk that this could be like compromised and hacked.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and, uh, and in one of Will's awesome tutorials, he's explaining that you guys implemented the two or three multi-sig because of uh, uh, customer demand for it, right? So you guys are, are obviously listening to customer feedback and just interested to see how that process is. They're just having
3: people complain yeah, on Twitter. It's, it's, and-
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, the, the, the same OTC traders that requested uh, private offer offers, uh, they also told us that well, we trade a large volume, and the buyer he wants to have obviously he wants to have some kind of control over the the flow of coins. So, could you please implement two out of three? We spoke with them, and uh, we actually created that because uh, they insisted. So, yeah, we usually speak with our customers, and we have a Telegram group. People are writing in in the Twitters uh, like they're they're saying they're like suggesting some improvements. So yeah, we listen to them because it's quite important. You know, we we don't have um, such big volumes like local Bitcoin has, but uh, we do have, uh, I think, quite good support team and and people are like embracing this and saying that well, it's it's a good that you have proper support. So at least we can like uh, create a loyalty, uh, create a loyal uh, customer base using our proper support. Uh, and then and then approach. So yeah, uh, we are listening to
1: our customers' course. No, this is actually something I was talking uh, with Jeremy Welch from Casa last week about. Is like the the power of Telegram to for companies building products to to get quick user feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. UX data is uh, is actually pretty pretty astonishing. Like uh, we we've all known that like Slack and Telegram groups have been big for like trading and uh, coin. Uh, altcoin uh, enthusiasts, but uh, specifically with products like Huddle and CASA, being able to get that user feedback right away must be incredible for you guys.
3: I mean, it's kind of an off topic, but I still don't understand why Telegram isn't widely used uh, in let's say America or Europe, because um, it, it was actually uh, the founder of Kontakte, which is a, like a Russian social network, a Facebook clone, he invented this Telegram and it's, uh, you know, it's it's very well known in Russia, very well known in South America and Asia, but for some reason not in America. But I think it's it, it is literally the best uh, messenger out there. Um, you know, I've read um, a lot about the design of um, and uh, I mean the infrastructure that Telegram has and uh, the cryptography and everything. I mean, there are a couple of uh, questions here and there, but really the interface and, uh, and the approach, it's, it's the best. So guys use telegram It's uh, not associated in any way with it, but it's the best
1: now. And it's been an incredible line of communication for a lot of Bitcoiners. And, uh, and like I said, yeah. the company is looking for feedback and you just send somebody a link like Casa, I, I had the Casa node and I'm in there, their telegram, uh, working with that team directly to help with my Casa node. And it's, uh, something that I haven't seen before. And I think it's like, we talk a lot about how Bitcoin is going to drive innovations in a lot of places like, uh, uh, like energy efficiency and stuff like that. But seeing it drive like innovation at a product like UX level is cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So I guess let's get on uh, to the new products you guys are, are rolling out. Um, very excited to talk about those. What should we talk about first? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the products and then we'll talk about the U.S. later. Um, so, so you guys have uh, the OTC desk, which we briefly touched on before, and then Bitcoin futures and a prediction market. It's launching next year, um, which is yeah, very so exciting. So
2: about, yeah, about prediction markets, uh, Roman. And uh, as for OTC, yeah, we have OTC desk. We have uh, we have our brokerage arm, so we're already working on that and, and, and already like helping. Some some trades to happen because again we have like I think the only one non-custodial OTC desk out there at the moment. So um, yeah, and but I, I'm I'm also quite excited about the prediction markets that Rome is building with the team. So so I think you should touch upon that as well.
3: Right. Um, so it. Um, initially it was called. Uh, Bitcoin futures, um, but we realized it's not exactly the correct term in that case. So we settled on Bitcoin uh, peer-to-peer prediction contracts. And uh, you, you can call it a prediction market if you want. And the point is that you can uh, bet Bitcoin on pretty much any anything that's legal to bet on, right? So for example, um, you think that the price of Bitcoin uh, is going to be Above five thousand um, dollars by the end of the year, and so you create an offer and say, "I I'm willing to bet one bitcoin um, that the price is going to be above $5,000. Okay, somebody else goes to the website, sees sees this offer, um, and uh, creates a contract based on this offer. And both parties, in the in the simplest case possible, it's a, it's a one to one bets, right? So they both lock one Bitcoin in escrow and uh, the winner gets two Bitcoins and the loser loses his Bitcoin. Um, That's kind of the point. Um, And of course, it doesn't have to be the price of Bitcoin but anything that can be um, easily verified, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do we're going to moderate offers. So if there's some kind of ambiguity or if there's something illegal, we're not going to allow that. But anything else? If you want to bet on who's going to win the election, um, you're not going to bet on assassination
1: markets. markets?
3: Uh, yeah, no, but that's no, a no, different. No, no, Of course not. <laughs> no. of course that's that's what I was uh, getting into. Like, yeah. if, if you if you want to bet whether Trump's going to be the next president uh, once again, you can do that. But nothing illegal for sure. Um, yes, I, so guess. I But I don't think, like, to be honest, I don't think people. Um, I, I don't like. Um, I don't like to call this. Um, bets, because really it's just a financial instrument that allows people to manage the risks. And uh, it's the first instrument that's actually non-custodial and that allows people to um, have those predictions settled in Bitcoin, not in fiat, but in Bitcoin. Um, you can still, and, and you, you have kind of uh, the same thing on BitMEX because they trade futures contracts, right? But it's, it's, it's not the same in the sense that, first of all, they actually hold the Bitcoins. And second, you can bet on, um, on price of Bitcoin or price of Litecoin or Ether or whatnot. But it's like the choice is limited. What we're offering is, you know, it's freedom to, um, to manage your risks um, and, uh, and bet on, on things that are important to you. Yeah, and
1: I was uh, being a bit provocative earlier, bringing up assassination markets, because I imagine that you guys are building on perceived uh, faults that you view in augur or similar prediction markets. That I mean, I guess uh, you guys are trying to uh, build a, a separate product, a differentiated project, mm-hmm. a differentiated product. Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I just, I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on. If you see any flaws in a system similar to Augur and what they're doing and what may they be
3: um. the the difference with Augur, i think first of all they're based on uh, e- ethereum right as far as i understand so mm-hmm. that's that's one thing we don't want to touch we, we work exclusively with bitcoin and maybe litecoin because it's very similar um in terms of technology and code base but um the other thing that Augur um does differently they they sort of try to solve the Oracle problem in a decentralized manner. Um, what we're trying to do, so the, the the workflow is going to be pretty simple and straightforward. Um, let's say you make this bet that the Bitcoin price is going to be above 5000 by the end of the year. So January 1st comes and you, uh, you look at the price, both parties look at the price and uh, Either they both agree that there's a winner and there's a loser and they sign the release transaction, right? Or one party disagrees for some reason. Maybe they just don't want to give that Bitcoin, but it's already locked in escrow. So it's not coming back to to the loser. So in that case, Huddle Huddle steps in and checks the condition Mm -hmm. and that we can sign the transaction to the winning party. That's in, in, in case of a two out of three contract, in case of two out of two contract, which I predict is going to be less popular with these kinds of contracts, prediction contracts. But if we have a two out of two contract, then the winner still gets his one Bitcoin and the loser, he, he loses his one Bitcoin, but it's going to, to be locked in escrow forever. Um, so he is actually, he has a lot more to lose by not releasing, uh, this Bitcoin in favor of, um, the winner. Uh, so that, that's the basic workflow.
1: Yeah. And do you, so let's talk about decentralized oracles. Do you think it's a problem that can be solved? Um, it's a big topic in this space, um, especially with prediction markets.
3: I, I really don't know. It's just, I just I sort of like have this workflow in mind that, that we're working on. I think mm-hmm. decentralized um, exchanges, decentralized oracles are actually, uh, they, they do have a place mm-hmm. in the community. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people on Twitter, they, they constantly sort of attack us. And they say, Oh, you're not truly decentralized, right? You are not a decentralized exchange. We never said that we are peer to peer exchange. We are non custodial. So in a sense, we're, we're kind of decentralized in that we don't actually hold the bitcoins, but we're still centralized because we have a central server, and we will look at the disputes that that are um, that spring up on our exchange. So um, I just I just want people to understand that there's a place in the market for different kinds of exchanges, and you know Bisc is is a is a very interesting project. Um, we we are excited that it, it's it's becoming popular it's just that what we try we're trying to do is to be somewhere in the middle between local bitcoins and Bisc, in the sense that again we're we're not decentralized but we're also non-custodial and we are providing an an easy to use interface by just being a website and not a software that you have to download yeah and then.
1: The game theory of the reputations that's another thing that comes with uh, the P2P exchange, the reputation. Yes. So you get rated as a user. And obviously, as a company, if you are turn out to be a bad oracle, your reputation mm. will, will suffer. Um, so you have an right. incentive to, to be a good Ar- oracle.
3: Um, Correct. Yeah. I think reputation, in general, is like a big problem uh, and a very interesting problem. So um, currently, it's also centralized for all peer-to-peer exchanges. But um, in the future, I mean, uh, there's a very high probability that uh, reputation is going to be kind of like uh, you know a separate field of computer science or something. I don't know. Uh, at least I, yeah. I see that way.
1: Well, let's hope it doesn't go to the dystopian uh, future that China's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's stepping. a different story. I, mean, I, I know. We're right. all
3: looking um, at it, and it's just uh, it's, it's horrible. It's just frightening.
1: Yeah. So how do you how do you guys handle it for buyers and sellers on on HODL? HODL? I'm pretty sure it's pretty straightforward, but um, how how is the experience for the user uh, rating rating their experience? How does that how does that work out? Does it happen immediately after the transaction? Um, just pops up?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's it's usual, It happens after the trade is completed. So basically, you complete the trade, and uh, each one is like writing the commands and then. And uh, rating the, the another part is quite quite similar to local bitcoins to be honest. there's no reason to invent a bike in that case because you know uh, maybe we will touch upon the reputation uh, and making it like a bit more sophisticated in the future because I know that Roma has a dream to create a proper reputational system that <laughs> that that can be like used by multiple exchanges and, and can be decentralized. Uh, maybe at some point, yeah. Why not? Let's talk about this dream, Roman. Expand on it. What is uh, your dream?
1: Well,
3: well, the dream is a yeah. sort of a decentralized reputation, and uh, I've been uh, I I I had this dream. Uh, I've been having this dream for a very long time, and like maybe since two thousand thirteen. And I've been talking about this idea to very smart friends of mine, and they all trashed it. So I guess I'm wrong. Um, but the point is, I I do think reputation is a very important part of the economy like you know a lot of problems might be solved um, if if we had a better reputational system that is not centralized that cannot be cheated and like to just to describe it um, concisely I I, I mean I think you like like, imagine a graph right and uh, you might not know the person um, that you need to know like let's say you want to have business with a person you don't know him but a friend of a friend of a friend knows him and he says this person's good right so um, here comes the graph database through which you make this connection and you can calculate the reputation relative to you um, the, the reputation of that person relative to you and then figure out whether you want to have business with that person or not and like even if even if it's some scammer that creates uh, multiple accounts that uh, sort of uh, that bump up his reputation on the system, it still wouldn't matter because all the, all of those uh, bots they wouldn't be connected to you, so it wouldn't affect this person's rating relative to you. So that's like a, a short, uh, the short version of the idea. But you know, there's there's never time currently focusing on huddle huddle, and uh, hopefully someone someone much smarter than I am eventually uh develops some uh, creates something like that
1: well i do too uh but how do you envision that changing the world and changing the economy do you just think it will create certain efficiencies that that we have not untapped uh
3: up to this point yeah yeah for sure i mean just uh you know you you go to to a foreign country and you don't even know uh like you, you Let's say you rent a car and then something happens to your tire that, that you, know, you get a flat tire you need to, to find a uh, good uh, mechanic or something. It's just like th- these sorts of problems or whether you want to eat at that place, you know, whether you want to go to see that doctor. Um, I mean, th- these problems are, are solved to an extent, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. And uh, like if, even if you look at Amazon, there's, uh, there are lots of fake reviews. This problem that Amazon cannot solve. Like if you want to buy a book and you you know, I've seen books that they get like five star reviews and there's like 50 people reviewing this book five stars, but it's actually trash and (laughs) they they cannot solve it. I think a a graph system that is decentralized can actually tackle that problem. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the point.
2: Yeah, but but actually, I I wanted to touch upon the reputation on 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 Huddle Huddle. We at some point we understood that we're quite young and we have a new platform, and uh, a lot of other peer-to-peer exchanges they have uh, well-established profiles or reputation for traders that are willing to use Huddle Huddle as well. So we have created this thing that that is called peer-to-peer profile. You can basically uh, transfer your reputation from other platform to Huddle Huddle, and mm-hmm. people will be able to even if you don't have any trades on Huddle Huddle, they will see your profiles on other exchanges, and they will understand that you are decent and a proper trader. So you can do that uh, on Huddle Huddle as well. So it was one thing that we have improved uh, in terms of uh, sharing the rating and reputation system on Huddle. No, yeah, that, really that's cool.
3: a that, that's a great uh, point that Max um just talked about. I think um, currently people are unable to export their reputation from one website to another. And specifically if we're talking about peer-to-peer exchanges, they're incentivized to try and keep it local, right? They don't want like they don't want sites like Hodel Hull to um to transfer that data but we still are able to do that and you know paxful did it to local bitcoins we did it to both paxful and local bitcoins and we actually talked to them about that like there's nothing you can do but it's still like it's still not straightforward and i think for for any peer-to-peer exchange or any website that requires some sort of reputation let's say a freelancer's website it would be so beneficial to have the system in place that we don't have to build it um themselves like we did, um, but they would just need to implement it and and yeah and let their users um uh let their users have it, so well, could you guys make like an open API that other sites could call on, or fortunately yeah. no, uh no. not at this point it's so still we're planning on doing this because um, we have a lot of requests, I and mean, max
2: can talk about this
3: properly, but uh yeah, it's.
2: Yeah, we have a lot of requests on, on, on doing the API, most probably in the first half of 2019, we will be able to roll out an API. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're working on that. So hopefully, in 2019, we will have a proper API.
1: And yeah, no, I think that actually brings up a good interesting point, because I'm like, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm like a UX nerd and a product nerd in particular. Um, so I actually like that you guys are like hey we'll get to this eventually. Um so like what and you guys have a lot of stuff in your product roadmap. So how do you prioritize and um decide what to work on and at what pace you should you should start building this out.
2: Well, we have uh, we have an like quite small team to be honest. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh sometimes we even don't have any options to choose, you know. We we, we just understand that we need to build something like for for API, we received a lot of requests from um, companies that trade uh, bitcoins on other peer to peer platforms, they have their own platforms, or they have their own software, they want to connect with us and to like, automate, like, make an automatic to some to some extent, the training makes an automatic. But usually, um, well, we we have uh, like, I don't know, special channel in, in the slack. Uh, and our team members, they exchange the ideas, And uh, if we like any idea, like from our team member or from from our customers, then we just uh, make it and and that's it. Um, We don't have any like strict priority what we need to do. Uh, But uh, we're trying to what we're trying at the moment is to make uh, HODL HODL as profitable as possible at the moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah I think oh, that's a that's yeah. very good point the, the the profitability so we we're always one criteria that we're thinking about is this going to make us money unfortunately we have to think about it because it, it it's not about like you know getting filthy rich or something we need to be sustainable like we are raised around now uh from the from private investors because we realized we needed to move faster and so on and so forth but eventually you know we we we're gonna to need to, to be making money. And that's a priority. I think it's a big mistake for many projects right now in Bitcoin. They sort of relied on on Bitcoin price to be high, you know, and they thought, oh, we can go on forever, but they can't. They need to have a sustainable business model that does not depend on the price. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. That's how we prioritize features. Yeah, this week yeah, but, has uh, but, but, certainly proved that.
2: Yeah. But- <laughs> But also we we always looking at the ethical side of the of the making money, as you yeah. say, because we we've had like a lot of uh, offers to 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 make an ICO with Huddle <laughs> or or to promote ICO during our conference uh, during Kani Measure, so we refused on them because you know it's um, and we see now actually that uh, in Bitcoin and crypto community two main things that usually pays out is long-term strategy and reputation if you don't have that in in place uh you will most probably you will fail mm-hmm. so that that's the core values
1: at the moment. yeah i completely i completely agree so what are um what are you guys thinking that uh which areas of your business do you think are going to be most uh likely to drive profits for you guys as you expand uh, as you expand the, the uh, offerings
2: so um, I think that uh, we have like I think we have like four main main areas or even five areas that we're working on uh, one is not connected with the exchange so first of all it's uh, the retail part which is peer-to-peer trade which is uh, like public offer list another one is OTC, uh, the market out there is booming actually not depending on the price the sales are still still going the trades are going and the volume out there is like three four times bigger than the volume on on all centralized exchange because you can have like one trade with 1000 coins per trade and set. so basically some some exchanges even don't have uh, such turnover in a week so um the third thing is future and or prediction markets as roma said because um uh, we already been like, approached by some people who are working, working in that field. They're quite interested because of, again, it's peer-to-peer. We cannot manipulate that. Uh, basically, we cannot shut down the whole whole and say, like, we will liquidate your shorts or, or, or longs or, or whatever, or we, can, or, or we will trade against you. That some some of the exchanges yeah, it's actually something do. that
3: Bitmex is quite famous for, <laughs> by the way. So, I, I, and well,
2: again, I'm I'm not I'm not naming anyone, so just right. Roman, you know, yeah. like. I'm just like
3: I'm looking at Twitter every time every time there's a, a big price movement in Bitcoin, Bitmex goes down, and they're like, "Oops, we're liquidating you, right?" And a lot of people are pissed off because of that, and and there there would be no way for us to do that if it's peer to peer. So hey guys, if you're disillusioned with Bitmex. Come to a level. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah, and I mean that you guys bring up a good point. Like, build a product where you make that impossible, and it might be impossible for users not to use it in the long
2: run. Like, why would they use anything else? Yeah. Well, they would. Like, if yeah. they're day
3: traders, yeah, yeah but traders, yes. so, okay, okay.
2: yeah, still centralized exchange are, are suitable for day traders. You know, you have mm-hmm. a fast order execution, automated. So you you won't you won't be able to reach that speed on the to here exchange at least at the moment you won't be able you need to, or you need to sustain a proper liquidity list like you know you need sometimes you you will have to then you will have to fill the orders by yourself and at some point that can be like you, you won't have the balance of, of selling and, and buying or something like that so finishing up the fourth project is house huddle which is buying and selling real estate with smart contracts that we have basically with bitcoin the same the same thing that is go, going with hodl uh, hodl except of fiat you are selling or buying the house with with the bitcoin with Ooh, the two cool. out of three multisig yeah we have that okay. as well we actually our state funding part of that will go to developing HODL as well so and let's talk about HODL. yeah it um we talk it, about hodl before that yeah 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 so basically it's a platform for buying or selling real estate with bitcoin uh you will be able to list your property on that platform you will be able to remotely sign uh the papers on this platform and you will be able to uh use our escrow uh for buying and selling real estate so basically we are just removing the banks from the equation so the same escrow that you use in the bank, but it will be the crypto escrow. But uh, we are we're, we're, we're going to launch it in 2019 uh, because we do understand that with the current beer market conditions, nobody is actually willing to spend money or bitcoins on not buying the house. It was actually quite interesting that we've been approached with some people during the bull market last year when the price was like, above 10,000 people were saying like, hey, with your like functionality, we can buy something like uh, valuable. Uh, But now, you know, in in this bear market condition, I I think prediction markets are way more profitable. And uh, there's a huge potential for that because people were always bet on the price movement or on certain certain um, like things that uh, events that are happening. So yeah, that's that's quickly about household and the fifth part of course is a baltic honey badger conference so it's also the part of hotel brand but it's it's not connected with with uh, with the exchange uh well the one connection is that we we do that <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, the honey Badger is is something that we're going to continue to organize had, each each year
1: please do i had the, uh, the pleasure <laughs> of attending this year it was yeah. uh, like, it was, it's one of the best organized conferences I've been to in the space and the, uh, the Me talent too. and the, uh, the concentration of uh, people dedicated to Bitcoin in particular, not sh- shitcoins coins or ICOs uh, was, was something I haven't seen at a, at a conference in the industry uh, ever up to this point. And then being able to travel to Riga, Riga is a beautiful city. Um, it was a very fun experience. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, and that's and that's also uh, a returning to having a long term plan and a reputation. You know, first year we we barely made it like uh, break even, so we didn't earn anything on on doing this conference. Although there was like a lot of offers from ICO shells that hey you, we can pay you, you can like show our ICO on your conference. We refused everything, and this year actually we we even made some profits. With with, with, with the conference, nice. So yeah, what uh, what's that experience
1: like putting together the conference? I can imagine it's hectic. Uh,
2: it's like it's crazy. Uh, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> uh, two months before and one month after that. I'm like just in it's, it's. I don't know how to. It's it's something like I don't know how to describe this condition that I am in into that because. <laughs> mo- mo- <laughs> uh most of the field work i do roma is helping me as well but but he's like he's like too far away from from riga i'm here and um it's uh, i i i think like two weeks ago i i feel like relief i just i just understood that everything had finished and the conference was good and all it's like two weeks ago and the conference ended like in the in the end of september so you can imagine that you still have, like, stress for one and a half month after the conference. But it's always a funny. It's always a funny. And uh, people are saying that it's actually a good conference. Uh, we're doing good things. And I still don't believe them. But, uh, you know, it's... You better also, believe them. That was... Uh, <laughs> also,
1: they're honest. It was... No, there was, like, a palpable... I don't know how to describe the feeling, but like the vibes were very high. People were very engaged and a lot of my favorite parts of the conference over the weekend were during the coffee breaks outside meeting people you've only ever conversed with online for the first time. And there was a lot of people talking seriously about like Bitcoin attack vectors and security concerns. and Every conversation was in depth and enthralling.
3: To me, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine visiting the conference and, um, he, he said to me that, uh, the so we both attended uh, San Jose at 2013 Bitcoin conference, and it was uh, we, there was a great vibe there. And he said there's it's the same vibe because we see he actually, for the first time at a Bitcoin conference, he saw the same people who attended um, the conference in 2013. And then for me specifically, you know, the after party really reminded me of. Of the San Jose 2013 conference because it was so packed. Like, you know, you turn and you meet another person, and it was so awesome. That that's what I loved about it uh, because there was no. um, I mean, it was easy to meet people. Great food, great beer, and uh, outside it's just beautiful. So. uh, Yeah, I remember. I remember sitting in a circle and Eric Vascul
1: was holding court, like talking for four (laughs) hours about his views, and it was like, whoa. He's (laughs) It's he's hose. Like <laughs> he's really intense. He's one of my. He's one of the most interesting dudes in the space to me.
3: I, I love his views. That's true. <laughs> I agree with that completely. He's yeah. uh, uh, GitHub pages uh, related to like Bitcoin economics. Uh, it's just uh, one of the best. Yeah, it really is. Readings out there for sure. You freak should check that out. The Lib Bitcoin uh, yeah. wiki, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely check this out, Eric Vosco, Lit Bitcoin. Uh, just go read. That's an sure. amazing read for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for throwing the conference. It was uh, an incredible experience. Uh, I was jet lagged for like four days. I never, I never got, uh, never got adjusted to to the time zone. But uh, needless to say, uh, the vibes at the conference kept me up.
2: Yep. Um, well. Yeah.
3: Next year is going to be better.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. We already have a list of, of potential speakers, so. <laughs> Most probably in somewhere in, in the beginning of March we'll announce uh, yep. a new kind of next yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Um,
2: I guess let's jump into another
1: topic, which uh, many people here in the States might not actually know because I was fact checking this before we hopped on. I asked my co-host for Rabbit Hole Recap, Matt O'Dell, <laughs> who's usually very on top of all the latest happenings in the space. I, I thought I had seen a tweet from you guys saying that you had to block U.S. customers. So I asked Matt, and he said, "No, no way." And it turns out, pre-interview, you guys said, "Yeah, that happened this week." So you guys have had to shut off access to Hola Hola from U.S. users. Uh, sorry for me. That's uh, unfortunate for me. <laughs> Anybody else here in the states? But I guess you guys could uh, jump into the reasons for doing that and, and
2: why. You had to do that. Yes, yeah. I, I think Roma Roma can explain that because he was he, he was the mastermind behind this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, that is true. I was um, so actually all the trades that happened in the U.S. Uh, on our exchange they were um, from licensed traders, right? So they were licensed in the uh, in, in the states that we're trading in. So uh, it was all completely legal, but. Uh, we and, and we didn't allow any unlicensed trades at all in the U.S. But even then, we decided to uh, pull the plug and uh, restrict U.S. Uh, citizens and residents from trading our exchange. And the reason is quite simple: um, the regulatory burden—it's just—it's too much. The, the truth is, we we need to protect our exchange. We need to protect our employees and uh, you know our business. And uh, the, the the truth is that if any of the agencies in the U.S. decides they don't like hollow because we work with um, American customers, um, that's going to be a huge problem for us. So I mean, you know, at least or uh, we're going to have a lot of expenses um, in terms of like lawyers and you know litigation and all that, which we don't want to have at all. Um, like we, we definitely do not do anything illegal, but it's just the burden, you know. We know how is it in the United States. They um, they try to prosecute people all over the world, regardless of their nationality and their location and anything. And it's just something that you have to deal with. And that, that was our decision. A lot of exchanges in the space they actually do that, uh, you know, Itmax, Max um, to name the, the, the biggest one. And then you also have Bitfinex and there are you know, local exchanges like the one in Thailand. Um, I, I think they're called, they're called uh, Bitcoin NTH or something or BX BXNTH. Anyway, they, they, they all block U.S. customers regardless of their location. Um, and I think that that says a lot about the situation. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I, I think the U.S. market is sort of saturated with with um, exchanges that are licensed already. So um, U.S. customers have a lot of choice in terms of purchasing Bitcoin and trading Bitcoin. And uh, if we talk about like market share, there, even if there was no regulatory burden at all, we would still not be interested in the U.S. market. You know, it's, it's, it's not a big peer-to-peer market. The, the most activity um, in peer-to-peer markets happen in Eastern Europe, in Asia, in Latin America. So this is where we want to be.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I was yeah. going to say. The burden is so much to to uh, to put up with the U.S. regulations, and it's, it's not even worth it for you guys, because most of your volumes come from Russia and Latin America, is that correct?
2: Yeah, we we the most of the peer-to-peer volumes actually, at the moment, are from Eastern Europe, Russia, Ukraine, and, another, mm-hmm. and Latin America. Like, if you if you will check it out, the the, the peer-to-peer starts on uh, local Bitcoin. I think the most liquid market for them and the biggest market for them is Russia at the moment, although mm-hmm. although they're officially blocked in Russia. So um, yeah, <laughs> also Asia, also Africa. So there's a lot of uh, like peer- Peer-to-peer markets are emerging markets, so it's, it's suitable for emerging markets. As for US, well, um, yeah, it's, it's like legal and security risk for us. So you know, no offense, guys, it's just a business. So no. we really, we really have a lot of, we, because we had, we, 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 we saw some, like most of the people actually, even from US, they supported us in our decision. If you check the Twitter thread, some of I support the people, you. Start, yeah, some of the people me, start, started like saying like, hey, hey, you're like bootlickers or whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, it really doesn't even make any sense. sense. Yeah, <laughs> we're, because it, it's like, you know, you're choosing the less evil thing. We believe that blocking US market and not implying KYC ML at any point is less evil thing than... Having the the U.S. market and implying the KYCML, what's the difference then between Huddle Huddle and Coinbase and or any other exchange with KYCML? What's the reason for us to be there? There's no reason to be there. So uh, that's it. I think and, this. And
1: I was gonna say, I think this brings up an interesting point though. Like it's funny, like America. Supposed to be the bastion of freedom, the home of freedom, and all that. And yet, a lot of companies don't even want to work here because it's too burdenful and it's not as free as people would think. So, as an outsider looking at the US, like uh, as a country that likes to tout ourselves as the home of the free, like w- w- like what what is your perspective on, on these types of regulatory Tory hurdles? Are we as free as we may think we M-
3: are? My, may I just comment on, on the land of freedom and, and all of that? I think there's, to me, um, the way I look uh, at uh, it…
2: Roma, I, Roma, just don't forget you, you are planning to… <laughs> you have some yes. plans just to visit the United, United States. Just, yes. Yeah, 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 just, just, um, just and, like don't say it out loud, you know. <laughs> of
3: course. No, I was just going to say that I think um, uh, people in the U.S., they have this mindset of freedom, right? Um, most of them, I would say, they they have this mindset because of the legacy of you know how people immigrated to the United States in search of um, you know freedom and uh, you know less taxes, less restrictions, all of that in search of a better life, and they endured a lot of um, things on their way, and I think that's uh, that still persists. But at the same time, in practical terms, you would actually find a lot more freedom in in China or Russia or in Asia. From Latin America, because the the United States is so heavily regulated in in many areas that it just makes it impossible for the small guy to start a business and uh, you know make actually make it. I mean, it's easy to start a business, but it's not easy to comply with all sorts of regulations if you want to get big. So, um, I mean, I hope that's going to change cause I think. Um, Again, in practical terms, it's there's more freedom in other countries, but in terms of the mindset, I think American people really value freedom. They really understand what it's all about. Uh, I mean,
2: that, that's no. that's
3: how it's it, and it's a paradox, right? It's it's so weird, yeah. but that's how yeah, it is. It's, it's it's ironic. It's like it, and
1: it blows my mind. I would say like I and many Americans like me I have like an inverse uh, an aversion to authority. Like I, I know I do. Uh, in general, and I, I like freedom of individual thought. Obviously, that's why we have this podcast, It's why we're into Bitcoin. Um, but uh, the system under which that we live uh, is not as freedom enabling as, as some people would mm-hmm. like to think, I would, I would say. And that was my comment on American uh, regulation for the <laughs> day.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I guess uh, we hit on a lot of what I wanted to hit on, but I guess uh, let's talk about Bitcoin in particular. Um, what do you guys, obviously the price has been tanking <laughs> the last five days pretty pretty heavily. We're, we're, yeah. we're getting into the, de- the depths of the bear market, but uh, uh, before we talk about price or anything, I don't really, we can focus on price later, but uh, from, a, from a development perspective, Bitcoin, uh, from a scaling perspective, uh, from, a, from a security perspective, like what do you guys think of the state of Bitcoin right now in 2018 as we approach the
2: 10-year anniversary? roma
3: why me i was just well, I yes was a you're guy.
2: you you're the Talking technical guy things. you know there's like ability yeah. and all these weird words that <laughs> they don't yeah. understand uh, okay i do understand that was court, but, uh, yeah uh i i think that uh, there's like this saying that beer markets are good for developers and uh, to be honest i i really believe that uh you don't have the pressure of the price uh, to build something fast to earn some money so um, and I think that overall this this bear market is good because uh, a lot of people that, that wasn't actually understanding the proper economics and, and all of the tech and all of the stuff they were just speculating they they get to the wipe out of the market ICO are like it, it's so 2017 now and I'm, I'm so happy that this is it's 2017 and all other shit coins are like falling down, and it's good. It's a, it's a great cleansing. I, I do believe that it's, of, of course, you, of course, everyone wants like Bitcoin, like uh, that will cost like at least 20,000. Uh, but uh, we will eventually be there at some point, and I think it's not so far future away from now. But in terms of uh, tech developments, I think that. Uh, lightning and, and, and other things that are happening at the moment It's fascinating and then um, i read an article to think few few days ago that the actual uh, the the processing power of bitcoin is now eight billion which is almost the same as the Mar mastercard with 11 billion so I think the market is growing although the some people are saying that Hey, the volumes of the trades are falling and all other stuff. But uh, in general, I think the adoption uh, is there. And uh, we see that a lot of, even in this bear market condition, a lot of startups, proper startups, are, 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 are opening and uh, they, they get developed and good for infrastructure.
3: I will say this I think um, a bear, uh, bear market is definitely good for developers. Although it's very uncomfortable. I will tell you from my own experience and from the experience that we had at Huddle Huddle when the price hit twenty, you know, and and our company was self-funded, we were like, hey, you know, we're gonna do this and that, you know, all those things. We don't care. (laughs) And then (laughs) and then when the price went back to six and now three, you actually have to start thinking. You actually have to start thinking what is what is the what is something the market wants, what is it prepared to pay for, and how do you survive? I think it's very important because, you know, when when you have a lot of money, uh, it it makes you weak. It makes you lazy, complacent. And I think yes, and that's very very dangerous. Um, And uh, I still consider us very lucky. You know, we we have wonderful investors who really understand uh, our business and and our project and what we're trying to achieve, and that really helps us. and the price i mean nobody knows what's gonna happen maybe it's gonna to go to like a uh, thousand or a hundred dollars who knows that that might happen i'm not predicting that but you have to just understand that you need to actually if, if you want to make money you need to build something that's really useful and something that the market wants i mean look at the richest companies bitcoin companies out there who are they they're Bitcoin exchanges, right, or their miners, because they actually build what people want. People want to trade, people want to bet, and people want to transact. This is what miners do. That's that's their business, right? Um, You figure, or you know, some other companies they they build hardware wallets. This is also something that people want. They have uh, continuous business, right? So, uh, if you're just holding, that's fine, but I mean, if you're thinking that you can become rich by just trading Bitcoin, I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, uh, I had a rant about this on on YouTube. I'm not going to repeat that, but just don't trade Bitcoin. Go ahead and build something.
1: Right. Um, No, I'm very appreciative of what you guys are building at Huddle Huddle Again, Uh, even though I can't use it, uh, I think it is a very important (laughs) Uh, product to be made. And like you guys said earlier, it is uh, you're just creating optionality for users where you can go hardcore BISC, or you can go local bitcoins, but you guys are in the middle um, and experimenting with that use case. And to me, it seems like uh, an incredible user experience that a lot of people would prefer uh, as to, uh, compared to both extremes. Um, where you get no KYMC or excuse me, KYC AML but uh, you have the luxury of having uh, a third party to, to intermediate when need be.
3: Yep. I mean, I'm
1: nothing to add to that. <laughs> You're <laughs> absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I guess that's all I have to ask you guys today. I guess the last question for each of you, do you have a parting note for the freaks out there? Uh, anything that, that you think people should be focusing on or, or, or thinking in this bear
3: market?
2: Uh, Well, I don't know. F- focus on something that is not related to Bitcoin. You know, if you cannot bear with the, bear with the price, you know, just, just, you know, you know, just 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 relax. Spend some time with your family, or with your friends, or just travel around, do something, read a proper yeah, book. You know, yeah. It, it was, was just a
1: th- th- it was just Thanksgiving here in the states, and I spent four days not thinking about Bitcoin. It was great
2: yeah so yeah. just uh and if if you are into for a long run then just huddle and don't worry about that because you know you need you need people are constantly saying you need to look at some dimensions blah 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 but it's really it's true you need to look at fundamentals whether you believe that this technology and the community behind this technology which is awesome uh will change the world or whether you don't believe if you don't believe then just Sell your coins to someone who believes and that's it. Go out. I mm-hmm. don't know. Look for another opportunity. If you do believe, then follow.
3: Yeah, that's true. I'm just going to say um, that's you know, you're in it for the technology, right? But you are. You actually are. And you're, you're also in it for the people you meet and you know the friends you make along the way. Uh, I mean, it's so pathetic. It sounds pathetic, but it's actually true. Um, I've you know, I'm a lot more um, proud of the fact that I met so many amazing people than the fact that uh, I managed to stay through uh, like three bear markets by now. Um, and I lost a lot of money, but who cares? Like, it's you, you, you actually learn that it's not about the money. The money, um, it's just that, it's just the means, right? And uh, you just need to. To, to, to find something that actually drives you through all this yeah. and Bitcoin just provides a lot of different opportunities meeting people writing code, learning something do that I mean that's that's how you um, that's how you right. win And to
1: touch on that like I think the really important thing in the this like sort of crux of what you're getting at there is that Bitcoin provides this common mission that anybody, and people from various different backgrounds can can work towards. And and that's something that's important for humans is having a mission, having a common mission, having a bond like, hey, we're building something. And and Bitcoin provides that, um, which is incredible.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's very true. Like, you, you meet a Bitcoiner that you know, um, it, it doesn't matter which country he's from, but you pretty much know that he's going to share the same values, the values that are important to you. It's amazing mm-hmm. like you know you speak different languages but he he actually understands what you're about and you understand what he's about. It, it, it's kind of cool like you don't have to explain a lot of things you don't have to they just know right? right? And that's what we saw at the conference. Um so hopefully um I mean that's a lesson that we'll learn from from the bear markets.
1: Yeah. Well, glad to be uh on the front lines of this bear market with you too. Uh yep. appreciate <laughs> Appreciate what you guys are building. Uh, Appreciate you guys coming on and having this conversation with me. Um, And then the conference, the Baltic honey badger conference. uh, Thank you for throwing that. Again, it was one of the best I've been to uh, up to this point in my life. And it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend you freaks go if you can attend next year. Um, Yeah.
3: Thanks a lot for having us.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's all we got today, freaks. Peace and love. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.